Hi, everyone. It's Lindsay Shepard, Investigative Journalism Fellow with True North. And today I have Angelo Isidori with me. He is the executive director of the UBC Free Speech Club. Now, the Free Speech Club, um, on January 29th, so later this month, they were going to host Andy No um, at the UBC Robson Square campus. So Andy, he is an American writer and journalist. He's currently editor at the Post Millennial. Now, he's well known because in June 2019, he was attacked by Antifa members in Portland, Oregon. He got a milkshake thrown at him. He was kicked. He got a brain hemorrhage and he had his GoPro camera stolen from him. He was to present on Understanding Antifa Violence, a lecture on radicalism on January 29th. But UBC actually canceled um, the UBC Free Speech Club's booking. So, um, Angelo, first, let's start off. What is the UBC Free Speech Club's mission or mandate and what sorts of events have you hosted in the past? So our mandate is to essentially platform different people with different ideas. We are essentially event promoters. Um, we want to really appeal to our members um, who are at this point are in the thousands and just create interesting content, diverse content with, you know, lots of different speakers that um, have interesting takes on things. So, for example, we began um, by hosting Jordan Peterson, uh, who we went on to host, I think, like five times overall. Then we've hosted Ben Shapiro, Stephen Hicks, um, ContraPoints, a few others. And now what we were hoping to do in 2020 is do a lecture series on radicalism. Um, which we would upload to our YouTube. We upload everything to our YouTube. And Andy was our first event, and he was going to talk about Antifa violence since that's sort of what he's most acquainted with and, you know, in the ultimate form of irony. His talk on Antifa violence was canceled because of Antifa violence. So um, this situation is sort of problematic for us because we rely on like public institutions, publicly funded institutions to host these events. A lot of these events are controversial, so we know not to go to a private venue because they might just not want to do it. Whereas with publicly funded venues, they have a mandate, they have a legal responsibility to, um, to not be biased in their booking. So this is uh, going to become a problem for us for the foreseeable future. So with the Andy No talk, um, when did you do the room booking? Was this like a couple months ago or back in December? Yeah, I think we did the room booking in November. And we did it for the Robson Square uh, venue, which we've used tons and tons of times before. We're super friendly with the people who work there. And we've actually never had problems there before. We haven't even had security there. Um, just a couple months before that, we did Yasmin Mohammed. We did her book launch there. So, uh, you know, we booked it. It was approved. We paid the down payment. We signed the contract. Um, and it was all fine for, for a good while. Then at some point, I think on right before Christmas Eve, actually, I get a call from the chief risk officer, which I missed the first call. And then the second call, um, he left a voice message that was very frantic saying, look, I have to get this message to you. Um, the executive is just canceling this event and that's that. So then I called him back and we had about a half hour chat about it. And, you know, in the past, we always budget for security because I know when I even when I got this call, like, OK, here we go. I'm going to get a call from the school that says pay us a bunch of money for security. So I was totally prepared for that. 
but never in a million years did I think they were going to be like, no, security is like not even an option where our new take on this is just to outright cancel stuff um, because we have this Antifa problem now on campus. Um, and so do you know what kind of threats they might have been getting? You know, they were, never, were they getting? They, they didn't give me any specifics. They just said, um, if we look at the precedent recently with Jen Smith and other speakers, uh, we've been noticing more and more violence on campus from these groups. Um, and essentially, we don't feel comfortable doing this because we don't know how to secure it. So that's that. And, and he even apologized because essentially we've had such a good relationship with UBC Robson Square that when we book something, they just approve the event right away. A, because I guess they like us, and B, because they have to, because they're a publicly funded institution. So I guess it took a while for that approved contract to get to the desk of the executive, because UBC Robson Square and UBC Campus are a little separate. And when it got finally to the desk of the executive, which was on the 22nd of December, um, they immediately had a meeting and canceled it um, and told the chief risk officer to uh, to inform me of that. So it's I w we weren't even consulted on it. Security wasn't even an option. They're just saying, look, we don't know how to handle these groups. And we're going to see we're not saying Andy, no, never. But for the foreseeable future, we want to see if maybe if we cancel these events and don't host them for a while, Antifa will simmer down and go away, which I thought was stupid. But, um, you know, to each their yeah. own, I guess. Has there actually been any UBC policy change on room bookings? Have they formally changed any policy? No. And, and no, so if they anything, they, they, they've floated that they've gone the other way with it, where they, you know, they have this uh, panel now on academic freedom. You know, they, they've essentially said we're, we're totally for free speech and all that sort of thing. Um, but for now, this is the new direction. We're going to see what happens if this doesn't work then we'll speak to the RCMP and maybe go the other way. My take, and I think most people who understand how this works, is that if you cancel events, you're emboldening people, you're emboldening protesters who are violent and you're making them think that they have power. So I told them they're not going anywhere. And I wanted to know specific examples because, I mean, we've gotten threats ourselves, but I wanted to know if the school has specific threats and they, they wouldn't say. so. You know, right now, my curiosity is mostly associated with, did the school actually get threats and they felt they couldn't secure it and canceled it? Or did they just cancel it because the school is worried about their image problem and wants to get back into the pride parade or whatever? You know. Well, I mean, so. actually, you could probably file a freedom of information request regarding that. So maybe that's something to do uh, in the future. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and so you mentioned one of the precedents to this might have been the Jen Smith talk. So Jen Smith is like a local transgender activist. Uh, their name is Jen, but they go by he, him pronouns. Um, I, I was aware that Jen did a talk at UBC, but wasn't the only incident that happened was maybe one protester kind of waved a flag in someone's face and that was it. I didn't think anything actually happened. Yeah, that was. Yeah. No, no. But I think they were surprised by the fact that there were protesters. Because this guy, the chief risk officer, even mentioned, like, we we secured your Ben Shapiro event. We did your other events. Like, we've never really had protesters before. We've had teach-ins. 
um, which aren't really problematic, but we've never really had a big protester problem. Jen Smith was like the first example where there were hundreds of protesters. And the school at UBC. Right. So the school was kind of, you know, if you look at videos, they weren't really great at securing the venue. And then, uh, I mean, that was amplified by the fact that then UBC had this whole media issue where they got kicked out of the Pride Parade because they platformed Jen Smith, which again, the school doesn't really have a say. But then that went on to the other event, which uh, I think was Ricardo Deschamps. And that one had some issues as well with, with tons of protesters. So, you know, what peeved me about it is that if you look at our event in between those events, the Jen Smith and the Ricardo Chance, we had Yasmin Muhammad. There were no issues at all. There's yeah, like I was nothing. There. You were, I think you were at the Yasmin Muhammad event. There's yeah. like nothing wrong at all with it. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of stupid. But then, look, I am aware that they probably would have protested the Andy No one because he's controversial. He represents everything they sort of hate and fear. So we were prepared for that. We had a budget for that. But, you know, when when the executive makes this decision, it's uh, it becomes a problem because who are they to decide what's controversial? You know, they essentially said, look, just bring someone who's not controversial. And, you know, they said, we'll we'll take bookings from you. Just don't bring anyone who pisses off Antifa. And then Antifa wins, of course, with that. Yeah, well, then they they basically are holding the school hostage. Yeah, so, I mean, Ron Holton, so he's the UBC chief safety officer. He released a statement. Part of it said, based on this assessment of increased risk, we have canceled the January 29th event booked by the UBC Free Speech Club, a group independent of the university, in order to safeguard the safety and security of our community. And they always try to do this thing where they distance you, right? I think... Uh, they call you a group yeah. independent of the university, but aren't you composed of basically 100% people who are from UBC or alumni of UBC, that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, almost 100%. It's hard to say because we base it off of the Facebook, so we'll definitely have like alumni and stuff like that. But I think they love to tout the fact that we aren't part of the Alma Mater Society, um, which thank God we aren't, because if we were, they could have just unilaterally canceled every event we ever do. So. I think they hate the fact that we're a private organization that is utilizing the public space and they try to do that as much as they can. I mean, the safety thing, it sucks that 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 guy's getting pulled into it so much because he was actually quite cordial with me on the phone and even conceded to the fact that Antifa are are basically violent thugs. Um, But it's interesting because he's the chief risk officer and yet... um, he told me that he was just the messenger. So it's not that he did some kind of an appraisal. He said this came from the executive, from the president, vice president, et cetera. And they said they don't want to do it. They did their own assessment and they found that he was too controversial and they don't want to, they don't want the school to host it. So if we're going into that territory, they're basically treating the school like it's private property um, or like they own it. And I think what people need to understand and what they need to understand is that it's not. Any venue that is funded with taxpayer dollars is technically basically owned by all of us. It's owned by the government. So you can't be politically biased in who you who you book. Now, their tact is, oh, well, health and safety, you know, it's the, the we got to protect our students first. Well, if we're going to do that now, if it's going to be like the heckler's veto, you can bring anyone. You can bring Oprah 
to the school and people could, I can get together and get people to make anonymous profiles and make a controversy out of it. Like it's not, if that's the tact we're going to take, you basically can never host an event again. You know, I think Chelsea Handler is coming to the Chance Center. It's like, what's stopping you from a group of people from doing the same shit? So that doesn't really work. And what we're hoping is, uh, well, we're hoping they would rescind the decision. Um, but at this point, I'm doubtful. Well, yeah, so, yeah, so let's talk about um, what you're doing next to try to get them to rescind this decision. Um, so you've teamed up with the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom. So they're a Calgary-based legal advocacy group. Uh, full disclosure for viewers, I am a contract worker with the JCCF. I'm their campus free speech fellow, but I'm not involved in any legal work. Um, so what is the, the JCCF, the Justice Center, doing for you at this point? Well, they're officially representing us in this. What's great about them is that they do pro bono. So they're, they're basically donations based and they know how important this battle is. And they represent groups like myself and other groups that need help um, with free speech issues. And they sent a demand letter to UBC, which we haven't gotten an answer to, other than a generic thing that they're sending to the media about safety. Um, and they said, look, we're all on this. The entire law firm is on the same page. If they don't rescind the decision, this is gonna have to go to court. We're gonna have to take legal action for the sake of setting a new precedent. Because a lot of people are saying, well, why don't you just book another venue, go book the library and do it there? Well, the issue is now that you have a public institution that has set sort of a, a social precedent or an institutional precedent that the library could simply follow just because UBC did and we're gonna see what happens, right? Like what we need to do now is we can't do the event until we get a court ruling, until we get a judicial review that says, look, like you can't do that. This is a freedom issue, it's the heckler's veto. We're fully prepared to, to take it uh, into legal action. Well, that's definitely going to be something to watch. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll keep our eye on this, this case with the Justice Center. I hope you actually get a reply um, to that letter. And we'll see where this goes. And I hope that Andy is rescheduled eventually. Would you have a plan to do that if, if you uh, win this case, let's say? Oh, 100%. I think we have to do that if we win this case. That'll be the ultimate victory right and i think we will win if you look at all the signs of how a free society works it, you know we're, we're gonna win it it's just gonna be a real headache but you know what if we do win it'll set a legal precedent across all canadian campuses so this could be a silver lining um, for a big legal battle so we'll see what happens i'll keep you in the loop great uh thank you so much angelo you mentioned you post all of the free speech club talks on the youtube channel so I'm guessing you yep. just look up UBC Free Speech Club on YouTube look and up, viewers can watch. Uh, the, the Free Speech Club. The Free Speech Club. So like in your background there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly. Right, right over there. All right. And of course, uh, you can check us out, True North, at tnz.news or on the True North YouTube channel, which is where you're watching this video right now. All right. Thanks so much, Angelo. And bye for now. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Right, bye, bye.